This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today, I'm delighted to say we have our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. Hi, Jay. Hello, Ian. Also with me is Christian Walsh. Hello. Hello, Ian. And Joseph Rimmer of Rimmington Valley, Rimsville. That's Hello. very funny. Hi, Ian. Oh, that's funny, yes. Well, we're all laughing and joking because finally we've reached the end of the Premier League season. James, are you as delighted and relieved as the rest of us are that football is now officially over? Apart from a small amount of a Champions League final that's <laughs> coming up. Liverpool obviously got the 4-0 win against Brighton. Ended up finishing fourth, exactly where they finished last season. One point worse off, but there's no arguments that this has been a much better season for Liverpool. Without any any shadow of a doubt, I think, um, obviously the heroics in Europe have kind of dominated the, the conversation, but I think it shouldn't be undervalued just what they've managed to to do in the in the Premier League as you said a point worse off than last season but when you think last season was a, a season without European football and we know how beneficial that is when you've got so much time to prepare and rest in between and you look at the hurdles they've had to overcome this season with, with the injuries and the schedule and Coutinho leaving um, it's just been one thing after another and that, you know that makes it all the more remarkable that they've managed to reach the Champions League final and get back-to-back top four finishes for the first time since 2009 and um, they did it in style as well against Brighton and I think obviously it was you know the, the nerves were lifted somewhat by obviously Chelsea's slip up in midweek which meant Liverpool only needed a point but um, I, I liked Klopp's comments before the game about how you know he, he hasn't got he doesn't know how to play for a point you know he only knows how to send the team out one way and we and we saw that and they absolutely blew Brighton away. Klopp also Christian said after the game that when he went to 3-0 to Liverpool and he got word that it was 3-0 to Newcastle against Chelsea, that was the first time this entire season where he was able to sit down and just enjoy watching the game. I think that's probably the same for everybody, isn't it? It's, it's, been, it's been a roller coaster ride for Liverpool and you can understand where Klopp's uh, you know, thoughts about that come from because obviously he's seen Liverpool throw away a couple of decent leads before. Um, but you know, in general, I think... In his heart of hearts, as much as he was saying it in public, I think surely he must have thought once Liverpool went one 0 up there. Even the first fifteen minutes, the way Liverpool started, there was there was never a shadow of a doubt that Liverpool were going to at least take a point from Brighton. They were, they were on the beach, they were on flip flops, and well, they were, they were on flip flops. <laughs> they, they were playing like they were on flip flops, and I think Liverpool might be the worst team possible to play when you're in that sort of mentality. Imagine you know you turn up for the game of five aside and and you just can't really be bothered and then you turn up against a team that's just in your face all the time. It must be an absolute nightmarish ninety minutes and it was for it was for Brighton. So you know I think Klopp's being probably a little bit kind to to Chelsea and to to Brighton there when he said he, he hasn't enjoyed it until that moment because I think it was evident from from the way it go that Liverpool were, were bang up for it and and weren't going to be beaten. Joe, two things. First thing, do you own any flip own any flip flops? I do own a pair of flip-flops, what yeah. Colour? Yeah, they are brown. Lovely. Like a uh, leather. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Second thing, a bit more for them. Liverpool had a full week to prepare for this game against Brighton, and you could tell the difference, couldn't you, because of the way that they went at them. They had they played with more style than perhaps they have in recent weeks. You look at the games against Stoke, where they struggled a bit. Chelsea were, I didn't think Chelsea were particularly good, but still Liverpool got beat. Even the second leg against Roma, they were kind of not sauntering, but they were trying not to expend too much energy. Yeah. But there was none of that against Brighton, was there? Yeah, I think... I think it, 
the recent results, I think, it showed that Liverpool have been a bit tired, and with that week to prepare, they looked a fresher team, and they, they looked... I thought it was an enjoyable game to watch yesterday. They were, considering there was a little bit of pressure on Liverpool, they didn't show any signs of that, and, and it was enjoyable to watch. They were flying forward and just getting it bright at every opportunity. So I think it bodes well that they've got two weeks off now to prepare for the Champions League final, because when they're rested, this side's just got so much pace and energy that they, they can take anyone apart. But what I thought was interesting is Klopp, yeah, the pressure was on. He had to, he had to get at least a point. And he, but he didn't go out to protect it, did he? He goes out and he goes out to blow teams away. Um, Creno did our um, Everton verdict yesterday and he dropped the line in it, which I thought was quite interesting. He said Everton had uh, nothing to play for um, and played five at the back. Liverpool had everything to play for and went out and played practically 4-2-4. <laughs> so it just shows the mentality of Klopp and you know sometimes you get what you deserve, don't you? Won a corner after 17 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It is, you know, tone yeah. set. Yeah. I mean, James, you don't have really have much time to rest. There's no rest for you. No. It says, however, the main man did it again, Mohamed Salah. 32 goals now. He's, he's broken the record for the amount of goals in a 38-game Premier League season. Better than Shearer, Ronaldo, Suarez. I mean, what have you made of his season now? I mean, there's only one more game to go, but you know, uh, Jurgen Klopp didn't really want to talk too much about it before the game. Afterwards, he was like saying, he's just getting awards now just for getting out the car. <laughs> so... I mean, it has just been ridiculous, hasn't it? All all season, I I felt you know he can't possibly maintain these standards. Um, just the, the the sheer scale of the contribution he was making, but you know he's managed it. I think you know what was it? Three games without a goal. Um, I think it was, I think it was important for him to get one actually against Brighton because I think I think you know it, it would have been a shame for a start to have missed out on the new to, you know, the new Premier League scoring record. Um, you know, having 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 equaled it a few weeks back, um, to have missed out would have been. I think that would have, would have would have hurt him somewhat. And 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 I think also that you know that goal is the perfect kind of lift for him going into the the Champions League final. It was fitting because you know he has been you know head and shoulders the the, the inspiration behind this season. Uh, just been ridiculous. The the records he's been breaking on a on a weekly basis. Um, so yeah, very fitting that he was the man. Who, who broke the deadlock against Brighton, and it was it was typical of the season he's had as well, wasn't it? Just making a difficult finish look ridiculously easy. Um, you know, a decent flick into his path from Solanke, but you know, to to turn and hit it first time like he did, and you know, gave Matt Ryan absolutely no chance. Um, and it was special, you know, seeing him on the pitch afterwards with his little girl Maka and um, receiving those the PFA and Footballer of the Year prizes from Kenny Dalglish. Um, and then obviously the golden boot after that. And something else. He picked up something else, didn't he? The uh, the golden samba. Yes. From uh, yeah, from the uh, from the supporters as well. And yeah, I mean, I think he's said a number of times recently, hasn't he, that he'd swap all of those individual athletes for a Champions League winners' medal. Um, but hopefully, he can have the lot. Um, and it's just great for Liverpool that they're going into going into the final with. Arguably the most, you know, most gifted and informed player on the planet. Is it true that he's only not he only failed to score against two teams in the Premier League this season? Seventeen. Yeah, so United and Swansea. They're the only two. Yeah. Now there were a lot of firsts, Christian, at the game <clears throat> on Sunday. Excuse me. First goal for Andy Robertson for Liverpool. First goal for Dominic Solanke, and a first league goal at Anfield for for Dejan Lovren. And it's kind of underlined that it's not just been about the forwards this season, has it? Oh, was it? it was a bit of a racist dream, that wasn't it, for the narrative, because you've obviously got Solari, who's front and centre of everything that Liverpool have been doing well this season. But then just ticking under the bonnet is the likes of 
you know, Andy Robertson, fantastic since he came in against Brighton. Funnily enough, it was his first real, you know, that was the start of his Liverpool career, if you will, I think. Uh, you've obviously got Dominic Solanke, who <clears throat> he had a really poor 15, 20 minutes, but credit to him. Did you he think he was up. poor, actually? I did. did that, he well, he had the opportunity. I thought he, did he right. made a hash of the, the he back did, pass. He did, he? but he looked a lot more lively. I thought he looked a lot more in tune with the others. He did. And, and it, it did help that was the first time he'd have been on the pitch with the other three. Yeah. He'd only be replacing But he benefited from that. But what I'm saying is he had that chance and he had a couple of other moments where maybe he slipped or he miscontrolled. But he didn't let it get him down. He yeah. didn't. He didn't. His head didn't drop, and, and and he carried on playing what he, you know, the way he can play, um, and the way Jurgen Klopp would like him to play. And you know, he's basically set up a goal. He's arguably, you know, had a had a role in the second as well. You know, a hockey assist, if you will, and he's obviously scored the third. So a hockey assist. Hockey assist. It's sort of an assist where he hasn't touched the ball. He's 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 made the movement that's taken the defenders away and allowed Lovren to jump on the trampoline and and nod home. I mean, Joe Solanke's yeah. finish was very much like yours in five side, but you put through it, close your eyes, and just hit it and hope for the best, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Except most of mine usually go over the uh, the fence, don't they? So um... I mean, we've spoken a lot about Liverpool's lack of options outside the the front three. You know, it was good for Solanke because he's not going to go into next season now. He's with people saying you've still not scored for Liverpool. You went an entire season without scoring. Yeah, it was, it was really important for him in a strange way to get that goal because um, I wouldn't say there'd be great a great deal of pressure on him, but it would. It will be a little thing hanging over him. Um, yeah, I thought I agree with Christian. I thought he started and he looked a little bit sloppy at times, but he did look more energetic and he did look like he was more involved than he, perhaps he has been. Um, and yeah, he got his rewards. I hope he can kick on now. I still think Liverpool need far better options in reserve um, than Dominic Solanke, uh, and that's no disrespect for, to him, but he's only a young lad, and I think he should be fourth choice, not second or third. But um, yeah, as you were saying before, it's been a, such a great collective effort from Liverpool this season. Everyone's played their part. Um, you know, even earlier in the season, if you think back before Robertson came along, Moreno was probably in better form than he has been. And um, all centre halves, Clavans came in and played his part, hasn't he? And, and it, I think they're a side that you can really get behind and buy into because they've all just got great personalities. That they're, they're all hard workers. None of them caught the line right. So. Um, Delighted to see him. I'm delighted to see Andy Robertson get his goal yesterday as well. Somebody else who impressed and has been in recent weeks certainly stepped up to the to the plate as, as the captain is Jordan Henderson. Yeah, I thought he was great again yesterday. Him and Wijnaldum really busy and just absolutely dominated that, that central area and they had a lot of ground to cover because, as the lad said, it was effectively a four-pronged attack. Um, but yeah, they, they just wrestled control from the start and I think... It was good to see Henderson, you know, clearly back, fully fit and, and firing. Obviously, he'd been given a breather for the what was it, the first hour down at Stamford Bridge the week before. Um, I think he was definitely one of those who had benefited from a, a full week to prepare. Um, and yeah, I mean, Jordan Henderson now is you know, so close to, to joining such an elite club, isn't he? What is it, Emily Hughes, Phil Thompson, Graham Sooners, Stephen Gerrard, yeah. yeah. Um, and when you think for a player that's it's taken a lot of unfair flack over the years, and because he's been at Liverpool a long time, he's sometimes held up as a, as a as a reason why they haven't won won silverware um, in the what is it the last six years. But yeah, he's you only have to look at how much faith and trust Klopp places in him, and you know he's not a a massive shouting leader of sorts, but he he sets an example with the way that he is and 
just an unbelievable professional who commands the respect of his teammates and 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 you know he's he's played a massive part this season because you know he ensures that you know, there's no there's no little breakaway groups in the dressing room. You know, he's the, the part that he plays in, in keeping everyone involved and and kind of really feeding that spirit and sense of togetherness that Klopp prides him on has been absolutely massive. Now, one midfielder, Christian, who was missing was James Milner. I mean, Klopp said he, he picked up a slight muscle injury. I think he, he picked it up in the, the game against Chelsea. He got injured, didn't he, Jay? And he, he carried on for a while. Yeah. Are you worried about his fitness or was it just uh, it's the first it's incredibly it's the first match day squad he wasn't in all season he's the only for a, player for a 32 yeah. year old to get through that it's quite incredible really he's the iron man isn't he the iron man of Liverpool Millie the machine is what Klopp called it's what a machine he's been to be fair I, I'm not I'm not necessarily worried not overly worried I think um, I think he's back in training next he week did, I think he, he, he tweets he's, he's, he's back in training Klopp didn't sound too concerned either uh, you know, there's there's always that little worry of you know he was in a good rhythm, wasn't he beforehand, and and he, he is a player who maybe took a little bit of a while to get going this season because he was in an open team, but once he you know was nailed down that starting spot in the midfield, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I, I hold my hands up. I, I wrote off James Milner at the start of the season. I thought his his year long secondment to, to left back was uh, basically the death knell of his Liverpool career because I thought. He's not. He's been playing left back for the season. He's forgotten how to play midfield. He had that one game in midfield against Stoke last season, and um, it was it was an abysmal performance. But he's he's remembered. He's remembered how to be a central midfielder. The irony is, this is always what he wanted to be at Liverpool and at Manchester City. Yeah. And it looked like you know we we'll go back this time last year. He, he was as far away from being a central midfielder as you could have imagined. Yeah. He's actually going to be, providing he gets fit, a central midfielder for Liverpool in in the European Cup final. So, you know, it's sort of, it's nice for him because this is why he moved to Liverpool in the first place. He obviously got shunted out wide and, you know, as a left-back then under Klopp, but he's now, you know, back where he wanted to be. Um, He's just, I think what he brings is is experience, game management. Now he's he's clearly a talker on the pitch. He's, He's a very popular player in the dressing room that you can see from his uh, from his social media account that he's he's a, he's a very you know dry witty guy so he's not he's not often like the boring James Milner that people make him out to be so I think he's been on the sly one of Liverpool's best players this season both on and off the pitch I think he's been tremendous right Liverpool are going to continue preparing Joe for this Champions League final they're going to go away to I think it's Marbella isn't it Jay yeah yeah, Marbella for a few days. Is that the right thing for Klopp to do? He's, he said it's not going to be a training camp, but it'll be more, you know, not relaxing, but it's it, just taking the pressure off them, just, you know, different scene for them. Yeah, I think so. I think people place far too much importance on these training camps or whatever <coughs> you want to call them. I don't think they have, they have a great effect on results, but I, I, I do think it's good for them to get away. They should take a bit of a break now, a few days off, and... and as we've said before, I think this Liverpool side look better when they're refreshed, when they have a bit of time between games. They can use that energy to full effect. So, yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with that, um, as long as they don't drive any golf carts or... Yeah, no golf clubs. Mind you, that worked well against the Spanish side, didn't it? So maybe they, they do need to get the Are golf clubs Are you advocating them, that then? Well, if, it, if they it, win it, the it, final, I don't think anyone will care. Would it be Bellamy? Would it be... It has to be Moreno. 
He's getting, he's getting, he's getting, getting yeah. whacked. Probably by, by all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. for that. Right. James, it's not all been great news though uh, today for Liverpool. A couple of things have emerged over the weekend. One today, you got an update on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's fitness. Yeah, not good news. Um, I think, obviously, we knew once he'd been stretched off against Roma in that first leg of the Champions League semi-final, that was him done for the season and hopes of going to the World Cup dashed. But there was... There was some talk after that that, that it was it wasn't as serious as they'd uh, initially feared and potentially back for the start of next season, but um, that's not going to be the case now. Obviously, he underwent surgery uh, the week before last, which went well, um, but you know, I'm, I'm told that the time scale now is is, is around the six month mark, which would effectively mean we're not going to see Alex Oxley Chamberlain back in a Liverpool shirt till till November. Um, so I think it, yeah, it will have a knock-on effect in terms of planning for next season because obviously Naby Keita's coming in from Leipzig but obviously we fully expect Emery Chan to move on and I think without Oxlade-Chamberlain I think I think Liverpool are going to have to further strengthen in that, that midfield area of course you've got you know, Marco Gruich will come back from his loan at Cardiff but I think he's still pretty raw and he's got some developing to do uh, so yeah, tough Tough for Oxlade Chamberlain. I mean, especially you know, such a revelation during his first season at Liverpool. And the fact that he got better and better as well, and um, yeah, very very tough to take. But you know, thankfully, you know, he, the surgery did go well. Um, you know, he's at Melwood doing his rehabilitation already, and 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 hopefully it will be November time and not later than that when we see him back. Joe, what was that line you said? For Oxlade Chamberlain, remember you wrote a piece earlier this year. You said he's gone from being what was the, it? The Ox to Oxlade Chamberlain, gone yeah. to the Ox. I wanted to write that out of history. <laughs> Still determined that no one else should call him Ox ever again. But yeah, um, yeah. But he has done that, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think he's he's matured as a player. He's like Milner, you know, he he came to Liverpool to be a, a central midfielder. You know, he's he's played out. I think at left back at times for Arsenal. Um, Anfield, he was left wing back. Yeah, he was right wing back in the cup final last yeah, year. Yeah, right wing back in the cup final. So so. You know, he, he, he was struggling, wasn't he, in his career, and he came and he's had a new lease of life, and I think towards the end of the season, I was absolutely gutted when he got injured, because I think he's been superb, he, he provides so much energy, strength and power, and he was starting to score quite a few goals as well, so he'll be missed, um, yeah, I'm really disappointed, I'm really, really enjoying watching him play. I don't get many right to I but I was, I was all over Oxley Chamberlain in the summer, and he's, he's, he's panned out exactly how, how, how I'd hoped he was at Anfield. He's well, getting injured and then being out for ages. Well, it, well, this is the thing though because he didn't he have an injury like before this. He hasn't. He he, he was always given this this uh, reputation of always always <coughs> niggly injuries at Liverpool, but he's he's been relatively yeah, injury yeah. free. And this I mean, is a lot, just a, a lot of Liverpool's injuries this season haven't been what niggles, what, if you will. What yeah, Raymond the fitness egg would get agitated about, mm. which is probably why he's been quite quiet. Yeah, I haven't heard from the egg at all. So it's it's. He actually tweeted some praise for Klopp the other day, did he? Well, yeah. it was sort of praise for Klopp, but also saying it was he, he was at the root of it. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Obviously, yeah. yeah, patting himself on the back. Yeah. But, but anyway, he was. No, I was going to say that, uh, that when you go through the squad, there's just been so many success mm. success stories this season. And I think. Did like a Q and A online earlier on, and someone was saying, you know, what would you say have been the, the disappointments in terms of players who haven't achieved what you'd hoped them to achieve? And you, you, you kind of struggle a little bit. I said I went for like Joel Matip maybe as one who his form was. I didn't think he was as good this season when he played as, as last season, but you know he had fitness issues. Minule, Minule, but I still I don't 
He's still here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, 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 you know, that, that I wouldn't say it was a big disappointment. I think you know, big he disappointment made, to him. Yeah, big disappointment to him to lose his place. But I don't think he was terrible in the first half no. of the no. season. Um, and what's been? Even, yeah, but then he hasn't. He just hasn't had the opportunities, yeah. has he? I don't think. I don't think you could put a thing with Woodburn and say, not at him. Yeah, but just but like, the situation. No, it's like yeah, you look, you look, yeah, you look at Ing, yeah, you know, the likes of Ings and Solanke for the opportunities that they've had. And I know they're both youngsters. Well, one of them's a youngster. One of them's obviously had a lot of injury problems. You'd, they would have expected to have scored a few more goals for a team that scored this many goals, wouldn't they? Yeah, but then even even with Solanke, I mean, I've seen like people throw it in the fact that oh, it took him twenty-seven games to get from up. That was only his sixth start mm. on Sunday, wasn't it? And, so many of those games when he has played have been like three or four minutes, counting the clock down, giving someone a little breather here and there. Very difficult for him to make much of an impact. Same with Ings. You know, he hasn't, you know, if you clocked up his minutes, he hasn't really had that much of a shot. I think the fair thing for Ings, he probably looked at it as quite a positive season because after a hell, yeah. a hellacious time with injuries, he's come back and scored his first goal since 2015. You know, so I. I I just don't think you can concentrate on any negatives so far this season. Yeah. I think there's so much to be positive about. Um, and, you know, in terms of players in the squad, we've seen so many develop. And the odd one who hasn't developed, or perhaps even, I don't even think there's many that you could say have gone backwards. Perhaps a couple have stood still, like Mignolet and, and Moreno. Matip would be, that's Matip the, maybe. Would be the one. But then, even that's being hypercritical, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's not like, I wouldn't say Matip had a disaster but then, when, we've or... done, when we've done the player ratings, and we've, we've collected our player ratings, he's been bottom all the way through the season, hasn't he? That's, that's because we just expect so much of him. Yeah. He sort of came with this reputation of being a Rolls-Royce of a defender, yeah. and yeah. You know, very, very classy, and sometimes maybe he can be bullied a little bit, but... You know, is he? He hasn't. To be fair to Matip, he hasn't had much of a chance to, to, to form a partnership with Virgil Van Dijk. We've seen exactly what's happened to Loris Karius and Dejan Lovren. Now they're around the Dutchman. You know, it's it's it can be one player that can galvanise an entire. He's got injured at the wrong time. Yeah. Hasn't he? yeah, And these are negatives as well that are always outweighed by positives. On you think Matip's not in the team? That's because Lovren and Van Dijk have been so good. Moreno's not in the team. That's because Robertson's been so good. Karius finally showing. Showing us that he's actually a very capable goalkeeper. So I don't think any of these, you know, the only reason why Ings and Solanke probably haven't got as many chances is because the front three have been phenomenal. So I think they're not real negatives, they're just a consequence from having 11 players in great form. On Solanke, it, you know, number one, I've, I've sort of stopped that. It, it took Robbie Keane longer in terms of minutes to score his first goal for Liverpool than it right, did yeah. for Dominic Solanke. Ian Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would have taken Peter Crouch more well, Crouch. in terms of minutes. In the, no, no, yeah, yeah. Anyone, any forward ever for Liverpool. Ian Rush obviously took about 800 odd minutes as well, famously. Uh, but number two about Solanke, you know, he, he's been thrown on as, as the plan B, hasn't he? Yeah. And on a lot of those occasions. And I've been critical of him, you know, both sort of in public and in private when you're talking to mates. You go, you know, I'm not quite sure what, what there is there. And But you've got to remember the context of the fact that he's he's been, been thrown on and, and, and balls have just been launched to his head. Yeah, you saw it against Stoke there. He's part of a team that sort of plays that free-flowing football and, and he, he fit in well. You know, he, he did well. He looked better for the fact that Liverpool were playing their style of football rather than we need a goal in the next five minutes, so let's just and, and pick were, it up. And they were playing against a team that was happy to, not happy to let Liverpool attack, but they were happy to have a goal themselves. Unlike when Everton played in December when he started that game, where he struggled against Everton after team, basically were defended. Yeah, I thought I thought that was like his best all-round performance on, on Sunday, the fact that, you know, it, especially the way that he put that difficult opening 15, 20 minutes behind him, I thought he, he linked play really well. It worked brilliantly, actually, with Firmino dropping off into that space behind him. Um, yeah, it was, I think it has been a strange season for Solanke, but I think 
that will be massive for him, just, just that goal, because it would have preyed on his mind if, if he'd gone through the summer still waiting for that first goal. And Especially when you think where he was at Chelsea, not even getting a chance to, to come to Liverpool and to end up playing 27 games, made his full England debut this season as well. You know, he's, a, he's another one you'd have to put him in the... You know, when you think about where he was to where he is now, he's been a success. And you know, I think my, my favourite moment of the day had to be Andy Robertson getting his first goal for the club because you could you could just see how much it meant to him and and also the the fact that he was so mobbed by his teammates what it meant to to all of them as well because you know I, I wouldn't put Robertson too far behind Salah in terms of giving value for money when it comes to signings that were made last summer because you know Liverpool didn't have any competition really for Robertson's signature there was no other top clubs looking at him just been relegated from Hull uh, and it's just an absolutely brilliant story the you know, probably the my favourite one in terms of where a player's come from and and where they are now. Um, and yeah, you could tell he was you know he was absolutely buzzing when he stopped to do interviews after after the game. And uh, you know, hopefully he's got one more great great night left in him as a Liverpool player this season. I, mean, I, was, so, so, I was just I was a little bit disappointed he scored because I've had it in my mind for, for the past couple of weeks that his first Liverpool goal was going to be the winner in Kiev. <laughs> Also, it's, it's weird, weird yeah. for him because normally he's first on the scene for celebrating goals. So he's, he's normally just the <laughs> running around yeah, by himself. Like, yeah. I mean, it did, it did said a lot, didn't it, about this clock team? The fact that the left back was lurking in the penalty box yeah. that late on in the game when you're three 0 up. One final thing, then, Rian Brewster's story over the weekend is very, very strange, isn't it? Yeah, it is strange. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, it had been kind of well documented that he hadn't signed a professional deal with Liverpool. Obviously, when you turn 17, that's when most young players do. It's what Curtis Jones did when he turned 17 a couple of months ago. Brewster hadn't. He was offered another deal when he turned 18 last month. Um, hasn't taken it. Um, I think I just question a little bit what advice he's getting because, I mean, we've it's German, a number of Bundesliga clubs that are very interested in, in him. I think Borussia Mönchengladbach leading the chase, RB Leipzig, another one. Um and, and you know it has it's become a bit of a thing, hasn't it? In the last year, eighteen months, obviously, um, Sancho went from Man City to Dortmund. Uh, Reese Oxford went to Mönchengladbach on loan. Lookman from Everton. Yeah. Um, so it, you know it's I think there's a there's a feeling that obviously Bundesliga clubs don't have the the wealth of top Premier League clubs. They don't have the massive depth, so they're better placed to be able to give young English players chances, which. I could completely understand if Brewster was at a Chelsea or a Man City, but he's at Liverpool where there clearly is a pathway to the first team. And I just don't understand if, if, if it was like a Woodburn situation who had been around all season and hadn't really been picked. I could understand that, but he, you know, he, he's, he, had, he had an ankle operation in January. He's been out for five months. And I think if he had been fit, he would have made a senior debut by now and had chances. Klopp has made it clear he wants to include him in the senior squad for the pre-season going into this season. Um, but you know, although Liverpool still retain hope, they can convince him to stay. You know, I think the fact it's reached this stage means that clearly those close to him uh, are seriously considering moving him on to Germany, which I think would be a big mistake. He should be looking at someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold and thinking that'll be me next season. Just one final thing then, just to let you know that you can now find your daily podcast, including this one, in the Anfield Plus section on the LFC Echo app. The app's free to download, and once you've downloaded it, tap on Anfield Plus, and away you go. And I didn't read that up a piece of paper, honest. <laughs> right, join us next time, later this week, where we continue our build-up to the Champions League final. Cheerio.
You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.